Welcome to Booking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the beginnings and ends, the first and lasts, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. Dan Griffin, joined again by my partner in podcasting, Pissedry UTT Rob and Cy Powell for the second part of our look at Shawn Michaels' career. Yeah, that, that podcasting Pissedry got us in a load of trouble uh, last time, didn't it? We went a bit long, we've had to cut this into two halves. Yeah, well, you know what it's like, you get three uh, three loquacious people such as myself, you and, uh, and Cy on it, was, uh, it was always going to go a bit long, I think we were a bit naive really. Yeah. But in the greatest spirit of the snooker, we're going to join the match in play. <laughs> yeah, so at this point, Si, I think it's pretty much over to you. Because uh, this is you said you, uh, off, uh, off air that this is one of your favourite matches of all time. I had a look at the rest of the card for SummerSlam. It, it was chock full of bangers, but uh, I think I'll leave it to you, mate. Do you want to, do you want to wax lyrical or...? I think, to be fair, before we do this, we've got to turn the lights on and off. To make sure people know it's unsanctioned. Exactly. This is an unsanctioned match. We've turned the lights on and off, therefore it's unsanctioned. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole concept of an unsanctioned match, but still with the referee, it's, it's still weird to me. Because it's essentially legal assault or attempted murder. Well, it's easy, I think, to get around that storyline-wise. It's unsanctioned. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You know, you could quite easily have one of the wrestlers, where it's the baby face because they're desperate to get their hands on the heel or whatever, go up to a referee with a handful of cash and go, you'll get in trouble for this, but here's a shed ton of money. I need you to referee my unsanctioned match. One little segment, 30 seconds on TV, kind of explains it away. Well, again, I'll reference the Les Kellett-Mal Stewart match that I watched last night. Because Miles Stewart kicked him in the ear, he couldn't hear the bell when the uh, ring uh, when the rounds ended. So he he could attack Miles Stewart after the end of the. Uh... Brilliant! <laughs> oh, it, it makes so much. It's it, we're laughing because it is funny, but it, in the world of wrestling, it does make sense. You know, he's potentially got a burst eardrum. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, SummerSlam 2002. I mean, first of all, what a fantastic card. Yeah. The op- is the opener angle Mysterio, I think? It is, yeah. Angle Mysterio. Absolute, oh, absolute and, stormer. Uh, do you know what do you know what amazed me about that looking into it? They got less than uh, just less than ten minutes. Really? Okay, yeah. I've not watched that back in ages, but I, I for some reason I remember it being longer, like more happening. I don't know what they did, whether they just paced it right and crammed a ton in, but yeah, mm. less than ten minutes. And then it was that's a good 10 minute match, though. I mean, th- this oh, whole yeah. thing of having to be 20, 30 minutes or whatever. I mean, you know, I'm, I, well, 
obviously from our love of 2000 WCW matches don't have to go along. But yeah, it does seem to be this whole modern phenomenon of if it's not gone 30 minutes, it's not a good match. Is there a New Japan thing that comes into that? Because again, we have the Okada Omega matches that are held up in such high regard by so many people online. And they, they go long, don't they? Do you think that influences people's mindset a bit, maybe? I don't know. Well, yeah, because uh, Okada wrote a lot skills on his TNA excursion and people just love it. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> poking the bear, poking the bear. It's interesting. Uh, I've, I've mentioned before on podcasts, there is a, there's a YouTube playlist out there of, of like really gripping and fantastic sub-10-minute matches. So it just goes to show that if you get two, you know, if you get two people who either have the right chemistry or just really know what they're doing, like Kurt Angle or Rey Mysterio, or the next match, which goes barely ten and a half minutes, Ric Flair Jericho, oh. that they can still do, they can still make magic. And even the the next match on the card is Edge versus Eddie Guerrero, and that's less than twelve minutes. Mm. Yeah, oh, it's such a stacked card, isn't it? And this obviously we're talking um, Michael's Triple H here which you know, was one of my favourite matches of all time. It's not the main event. The main event is Rock versus Lesnar, and, and that's brilliant as well. It, it's such a good show. And let's not forget The Undertaker versus Test. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's the turn in the punch ball, isn't it? I have um, forgotten about that. <laughs> Un-Americans versus Booker T and Goldust. Um, you know, Landstorm says he got booked better in WWE. <laughs> but it was more over in WCW. Yeah, but he just likes to roll around on a Ibina afterwards. Fair enough, yeah. And then the the one we haven't mentioned because of uh, I think possibly because of who's in it was uh, Rob Van Dam uh, winning the Intercontinental Championship against uh, Benoit. I don't remember that at all. But it went it went for over a quarter of an hour, and it's those two. So it kind of had to have been good. I'm, I'm, that's ex- that blatantly. That's what I'm going to watch when we're done tonight. That's my bedtime viewing now because I don't remember that at all. I wish the dark match was on there. Spike Dudley beating Stevie Richards in two minutes thirty five seconds. I'd have been all over that shit. And so I, it's I, like having Scottish Danny with it. It would have been all over that shit as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I can't wait. At time recording, it's early June. I'm going down to London at the end of this month to uh, to meet up with with Danny and, and hopefully a, a couple of others to watch um, potentially SmackDown and Money in the Bank, it's just going to be such a good laugh. Oh, amazing. Uh, you're not going to the show, but going to like a pub to watch or something, are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, Christ, if needs be, I'll, if needs be, I'll take my laptop and just fire it up in the hotel. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Oh, that sounds great. I love Danny. He's, he's fantastic. But yeah, he's this match... Yeah, this is... I suppose it comes back to what you guys I mean the, the wrestling here first of all is is incredible and no doubt we're going to get into it in a moment of course but you talk about the, 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 the least important part of the wrestling being the wrestling and the storyline and so on this for me as a Shawn Michaels fan this storyline got me hook line and sinker I was so invested and bear in mind in 2002 I was 21 I think yeah I've been 21 so I'm not a kid anymore but it felt like I was 10 years old and, and the build-up was done so well. And in my mind, I, I was unaware at this point in my life that Michaels had wrestled in the match that we just covered against uh, Venom. I, I was unaware that happened. 
So as far as I was concerned, my favorite wrestler hadn't wrestled for years and was never going to. His back was wrecked. He's retired. Is what it is. Uh, we had the moments where he came back every now and again, and uh, I, I just kind of got, you know, got my Michael's fix from from those promos or you know character moments with him and so on. But here, when he comes back, again, it's exciting. Sean's on Sean's on Raw. He's involved with Triple H. It's great. And then we get that whole thing about him being attacked in the in the car park. And the build-up is just... It, I've spoke about it before on other shows, so I apologise if I repeat myself to, to listeners or anyone like that, but it just got me. Because you kind of felt that something has to happen with Sean wrestling again or doing something again. And I, was, I wasn't reading um, whatever the term may be, dirt sheets, or I wasn't buying the magazines or anything like that. So I was literally, all I had was the, the, the WWE television at the time. So when Sean got attacked and then you had Triple H looking for who attacked him, I'm thinking, okay, we might get Triple H versus someone with Sean in his corner. We might get to see Sean throw a super kick in the ring and in that match or whatever, getting his own back for whoever attacked him. And then the, the more Triple H looked for this person, the more I'm sat there at home thinking it was fucking him wasn't it <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be him and then your mind starts racing and I'm, I'm thinking the only outcome is that sean's gonna sean's gonna wrestle him the only outcome is that sean's gonna work here unless they do something lame and have sean go here's my representative i'm thinking that that's not a good enough payoff for what they're doing because the storyline was so good and then the reveal where sean was in the wheelchair busted up um the plasters all over him and so on uh, on the on the big screen the video link and triple h is in the ring and and sean is there going oh you we've got the security footage and they, they say they can clean it up a bit and we've all seen it and even before they 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 move the pixels and clear it up you can see it's triple h even beforehand you can see it's him but i'm sat there on the edge of my seat and at the time i lived with an ex-girlfriend of mine and her parents I'm on the edge of my seat in their front room watching this like, holy crap. And again, I'm 21 years of age acting like a 10 year old. I am <laughs> sold. I am sold into this. I am not watching a pro wrestling show where I know how it works and I know it's all predetermined and, and so on and so forth. I am 100% invested in what they're giving me. And then you get that moment where the pixels all move from side to side and you see Triple H stood there. And it cuts to Sean and he leans forward and goes, it was you, Hunter. And then it cuts to Triple H in the ring and he's sideways onto the camera and he spits his gum out, turns, and that smile creeps across his face. And it's just like, oh, you evil bastard. And it's just brilliantly performed, brilliantly written pro wrestling. And this is exactly why I love professional wrestling. This is why professional wrestling is my favorite thing in the world. Because of moments like this. Because this, I was hooked in. I could not take my, I, I was scared to blink in case I missed something important. And the next bit where Sean is talking away in the wheelchair and he says, well, you know, that I've been beaten up bad. I've got these injuries, et cetera, et cetera. But the doctors say I could be, I could be okay. Maybe a hundred percent by say, and he kind of looks off camera and then looks back and goes by say SummerSlam. Again, I was 10 years old. I jumped off my sofa and yelled. As a 21-year-old man, I, ju- <laughs> I jumped off my sofa and yelled <laughs> with excitement. 
I was. And now we know happy. how that relationship ended. Well, yeah, not not far, you know. Um, <laughs> but I was <laughs> honestly the the big. I, 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 it, it sounds so silly. It really does. And I apologise for sounding so daft and childish. But I'm sat here now. Ah. I got goosebumps talking about how excited this made me. And then knowing that I was going to see Sean wrestle again at the time, where I think at the time Sean was thinking the way that everyone else in the world was thinking, this was one and done. This was a one-off. Obviously, it went on to be more, of course. But uh, honestly, I I booked that pay per view. I I don't to be honest, I don't even think I've paid my girlfriend's dad back the money, and it was X amount of years ago. But he booked the pay per view on the premise that I'd given the money back. I don't think I ever did. But um, I had a couple of friends round. And obviously in the UK, it's early hours of the morning and it would have been a Sunday night uh, and people above me, literally in the room above me had to go to work, uh, but we're downstairs getting so invested in this match and seeing Sean wrestle for the first time. And my friends were, you know, I had a couple of friends who were wrestling fans, but they were more, I suppose, casual wrestling fans, but they were more excited because of how excited I was. And this this whole storyline, the execution of it, and then the fact that the match itself is a fucking banger. This is why this ranks so highly in my wrestling fandom as one one of my favorite things ever. I, I literally, I mean, a little peek behind the curtain, I suppose, for, for people listening. We had a little break momentary, moments ago. We, we paused the recording to, you know, grab a drink, go to the toilet, and, and etc. I went downstairs and I said to Charlie, we're about to start talking SummerSlam 2002. You've not seen this before. We are watching this tomorrow. And Charlie mm-hmm. kind of looked at me vacantly and like, uh, yeah, all right, dad, whatever. You know, but I, I, I'm that excited just to be able to talk to you about it because I, it was such a massive moment for me as a, as a fan of Shawn Michaels and as a wrestling fan in general. It was just so perfectly executed. And then the match begins and it's just, it's everything I hoped it would be. Because going into this as a huge Shawn Michaels fan, I still in the back of my head, regardless of how excited I was, I still in the back of my head was thinking, oh, what if he can't go? What yeah. if we don't, what if we don't have, what if we have Shawn Michaels and we don't have the heartbreak kid, so to speak? That was my little bit of a concern. But by the time the bell rang uh, and, and, you know, his music hits and all that sort of stuff, those doubts were gone already because I was just so crazy excited. I, I mean, I, I don't know what the term would be, fangirling or where, marking out. I'm not sure what people would reference it as, but that's what I was experiencing at that point in this little semi-detached house um, <laughs> with a pay-per-view that now, by memory, I don't think I ever paid for watching it with my friends. It was just, as a grown-up now, I mean, I'm, I'm 42 now, so fucking hell, this happened half my lifetime ago, I suppose. This stands out as one of the, the the most the most exciting and probably one of the most cherished moments of my whole life as a wrestling fan. This story. I was just about to say you were experiencing happiness yes. <laughs> seeing Sean wrestle again. Yes, that, that, is, that is exactly what it is. In one of its sort of in just like a pure distilled form, this happening sparked off that much joy that you can remember it in so much detail decades later. Yes, yes. I mean, with regards to waking people up and, and so on, never happened. It was okay. And the, the guy who, who booked the pay-per-view, my ex-girlfriend's dad, me and her parted ways many years ago. Obviously, I'm, I've been married, you know, well, I've been with Sharon 15, 16 years now. We've been married uh, 11 years this week, Sharon and I have been married. And 
So that shows how long ago I parted ways with, with this young lady I was seeing at the time. But me and her dad actually kept in contact. And he said to me, after the fact, I could hear you downstairs. Yes, I had to get up at 6am. But I wanted to leave you to it because I could tell him how happy you were. And the sad <laughs> thing about this is, I found out probably maybe six weeks ago that the guy very recently passed away from a long-time illness, which is a real shame because he was a lovely oh. fella. His, his daughter was a bitch. I hate her. But he was fantastic. He was a lovely fella. So, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, just such fantastic memories of those times. And every time I press play on this match, I must watch this match, I don't know, five, ten times a year. And every time I press play, as, as I did today, you know, going back and reviewing it for the show, I get those emotions again and I go back to 2002 and it's just, it's incredible. And we reviewed this on chain wrestling uh, you know, quite a way ago. And it was surprised no one that I gave it a 10. If I could have given it 20, 30, 40, I would have, but Max, what would you do? Maxie breaks the rules all the time. He's a knob. Well, it, it was a single wrapped match, so it doesn't count as a biscuit. <laughs> I, I, I love how passionate you've been about it, Si, and uh, this is exactly why we need to do on for the Shawn Michaels re- uh, episode, because I, I, I just went completely puerile during this, because uh, there was a bit in the build-up where they were saying Sean's bloody body was found in the parking garage, and I thought that was incredibly posh, and it reminded me of a Simpsons thing that Steve-O would love. All right, guys, pipe down. Got some more in the garage. I'll, I'll, I'll get it for you, Homer. Hmm. I wonder why he's so eager to go to the garage. The garage? Hey, fellas, the garage. Well, oop la dee da Mr. Frenchman. Well, what do you call it? A car hole. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> la dee da Mr. Frenchman. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this match... I remember watching the the whole story play out. I was I was thirteen when all this was going on, and I was I was sort of at a point where it wasn't really cool to be into wrestling anymore when I was at school, but I was still just heavily into it. But I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it apart from my brother who was who I was watching it with. But it was so good, and it was so awesome to see Sean back. Just and, and right from the beginning, you can feel that in the arena. You can feel the buzz, and you hear the pop when he's. Uh, when his music hits, and then another one when his pyro hits, and when Sean jumps the star as well, and just commences the violence right away, it's incredible. It's electric. It is lightning in a bottle. It's it's just everything about it was was amazing. Sean's performance was incredible. I mean, I think I think it's easy sometimes when we're talking about how good this match is. And the fact that if you believe WWE and Jim Ross on the commentary saying that Sean hasn't wrestled for four years, obviously we know that's not actually the truth, but he hasn't wrestled for a, a long time and his back was wrecked, etc., etc. It's easy to look at how great Sean was in this match because he was fantastic. He, he, he was superb. It was like he'd never been away. I mean, if anything, it was like he was better than he was before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to overlook how good Triple H is here. And yeah. Triple H is incredible. Apparently, he put the match together. I mean, the original pitch, by the way, was again according to Sean and interviews he's done, and and, and you know the, these videos on YouTube and his book and so on. 
Sean approached the WWE and said about right. doing a street fight. That was the original pitch. Sean was like, I, I've got a street fight in me. I can do something like that where I don't take too many bumps. I don't do anything too spectacular. And his pitch was to work with Vince McMahon. The original, okay. idea, the original idea was to, to do Sean versus Vince and base it around Kevin Nash. You know, he's injured all the time. Triple H obviously had his problems with his uh, quad injuries. Uh, Sean you know, retired because of injury. And Sean pitched the idea that he would go at Vince and say, you push the guys too much. We work too hard. You're constantly getting us out there to make to make you rich and our bodies are breaking down. And that was kind of the angle that Sean pitched to, to have this street fight or unsanctioned, you know, wild brawl, I guess, but it was going to be mm. with Vince and Vince responded, you know, basically said, okay, sounds great. I, I don't think I can, I can do this. I'm not a wrestler. And, and Sean's again, whole mindset was no, it's going to be you getting beaten up by me. It's going to be a lot of a lot of trash cans and chairs and whatever. Fifteen minutes in and out. I don't take any bumps. I just beat you up for a bit. The crowd will go wild. It will sell tickets. Mm. Vince came back to Sean and said, "If you can do that with me, could you do it with Triple H?" And Sean, again quoting from his book, said, "Well, Triple H is the top guy. I didn't think I would be in a program with the top guy." And Vince was like, yeah, but I'm not a wrestler. I'm worried about hurting you. And, and Triple H apparently was, was, was well up for it and said, you know, we'll do this, we'll do that. And had loads of ideas. And it developed from Sean spending 15, 20 minutes, however long they, they spoke about, I don't know. Developed from Sean basically waffling Vince McMahon with trash candidates for 15 minutes to what we get here. And Triple H put, apparently again, called to Sean, Triple H put the match together. He he, you know, structured the contest. Sean beforehand worked out in a ring, took a couple of backdrops, ran the ropes a bit, and then kind of said, "Look, I, I'm not feeling this. I can't do it in front unless we're in front of a crowd. We'll go and just see how we get on." So they literally went into this match with an idea that Triple H had had that he had plotted the match out, but. Sean not really knowing anything further than that as to what he was capable of. It, again, I'm quoting from Sean's book, not direct quoting, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little, of course, but Sean explains it that way. And to me, it's fantastic that Sean's gone and said, you know, this is the idea I have with Vince McMahon, and it's developed into this. Now, the Triple H storyline is fantastic. I think it's, again, you know, you heard how excited I was, and I apologize for ranting and go, getting <laughs> carried away on your show. I, I, I apologize. But that storyline idea with Vince McMahon, I thought it was really clever. Yeah, very clever. Quite uh, almost meta as well. Like self-referential and, and, and very close to the bone, which is usually when wrestling's at its best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, I suppose the timing of it as well, I mean, with Nash... I mean, the, the NWO came back, would it have been no way out? So, what's that, February of this year, I think? Yeah. Is that correct? Is my time yeah, is, February. Is, yeah. So, Nash, I imagine, would have had his first injury back about 35 minutes after coming back. Is that correct? That's the way it normally went. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was 27. 
Okay, right, sorry. But yeah, that's I, I love that. I'm happy with what we got, don't get me wrong. But that pitch of Shawn Michaels saying, you push us too hard and we all break down, I, I find that fascinating. I think that's such a an, an original pitch, something, something really unique, really. Yeah, it is, isn't it? and it would have been. It would have been fantastic. You know, it would have been a damn sight better than, uh, than Vince tagging with God that we eventually got. Mm, yeah, I mean, the, the Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels match at WrestleMania... Again, it shows to me how great Shawn Michaels is as a performer. What came after that? I mean, they, you could have left it at Mania. You didn't need the whole tag team with God bullshit, did you? Not really. That you push us too hard storyline would have would be brilliant now in AEW. Because oh, the, yes. You know, the, because they're going for the melts of five star matches or whatever, and you know whether you paint Meltzer or you paint Tony Khan as the evil party in this you know modern wrestling does take a lot of risks both chuck them in together that's well, fine Tony I think uh, the wrestlers themselves are at fault I, I suppose a little bit of a detour but I suppose the wrestlers themselves are at fault as well because I don't know Tony Khan obviously I'm not in the ring but I imagine Tony Khan stands there with white powder all over his chops wide eyed going yeah sure Kenny do whatever you like and well he does love Sherbert <laughs> That's exactly what I was getting at, of course. You know, he's he's notorious for his sweet tooth. And um <laughs> it's he's not strong willed enough to say, in, in my opinion, again, outside looking in, to say no, hang on a second. The wrestlers themselves, I think, need to be held accountable. Because how many flips becomes too many flips? Do you know what I mean? The, the yeah. problem is on the indies, wrestlers are these days charging more. Based on their melts the star rating matches, so really, yeah, historically, the amount that you'd have to pay a wrestler was related to the amount of extra tickets you could sell for the show. You know, it was like a financial thing. Yeah, which makes now, sense. It's a business, yeah. Yeah, indie wrestlers are pricing themselves. Oh, I got a three and a half star Meltzer rating, therefore I deserve X. Which is bollocks, isn't it? I mean, not just not just for the obvious reasons of how ridiculous these matches can become, but okay. The last AEW pay per view again. Charlie loved it because anything AEW does, she loves. But I think that's the the age she's at. Her her and my younger daughter Olivia, my, my eldest two kids are grown ups. So it's different, but they're very much of the I suppose TikTok or Facebook reels. Like, things last 30 seconds, bang, 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 it's over with, that sort of thing. So, when Charlie watches wrestling, I think that she has to have that fast-paced action, bang, 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 because that's how her mind is almost been um, moulded, I suppose, with, with how modern culture is. And it's... <sighs> I watched that last AEW pay-per-view, and well, not just me, me and Sharon, we're looking at each other sort of side-eye on the sofa whilst Charlie's loving it because we're like, fuck, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. And you come back to the Meltzer rating, Adam Cole versus Jericho on the last AEW pay-per-view, that, um, was that unsanctioned or street fight or one of those kind of things, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was terrible. I thought it was absolutely awful. It was clunky. It was, it, there was no chemistry there. It, it was, it was, I was excited about the match beforehand and I was incredibly let down. 
Meltzer gave that like three and a half, four stars or something like that. He gave the Battle Royal, the Orange Cassidy one, three and a half stars, I think. Or he's, three and he's, he's on the payroll. Yeah, of course, yeah. So And, and he, he's rating them out of 100 and he hates wrestling. Well, this, this, <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, if you're talking about guys now saying, I got a three and a half star Meltzer match, so her is my pay rate. A three and a half Meltzer match now in 2023... Look at, I mean, he gave that battle royal, like I said, three and a half or three and three quarters or whatever. It's not a three and a half star Meltzer match when he was rating Savage Steamboat in 87. It doesn't mean the same anymore, does it? Or all Japan in the 90s. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. It's almost like people's tastes change over time and depending on who's lining the pockets and the. It's all complete arbitrary bullshit that should never be held up on a pedestal. Yeah, I, I was listening to John Rezzi today. He was saying that, you know, a five-star match back in the day was like a once-a-year thing, and it included the build. Mm, okay, yeah. yeah. You couldn't just turn up on an episode of Dynamite and get a five-star match. You know, it was a big match that it led up to a big event. Mm. I don't yeah. normally I don't normally break off tangents. In fact, I encourage them. But can we stop talking about fucking Melter, please? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we've got a great match on the cards you, here. You've got me fired up. That's all. I apologise. <laughs> I apologise. Because one thing I wanted to do, you, you, you sort of started this this whole tangent with you, Sai, so saying about how good Triple H was in this match. Yes, I want to give a, a bit of a mention to Jim Ross. Oh, because to me, there is no better JR than when JR is pissed off at Triple H. And just one of the th- one thing in my note that caught my eye was I think there's a point where Triple H hit uh, quite early on where Triple H is hitting multiple backbreakers, and I don't know if it was me or if it was Jr. But I've just written in in my notes just the bastard. But Jr. does call Tri- he says Triple H's obsession with putting Shawn Michaels in a wheelchair is perverse. Oh, what a lie! Yeah, I, I, I got that as well, but I, I do have to take his task, Dan, because when Jr. expects there's going to be a helmet match in Mid South, he is pretty on form. Well, just, <laughs> just shows that class is permanent. Oh, you mentioned the backbreakers uh, there, Dan. There's the moment where Triple H does a backbreaker, but he does it on the chair. Yes, the chair is uh, set up. I, I, I don't know what you say. Seating position, I guess. Mm-hmm. And rather than across his leg, his thigh, his knee, as, as a normal backbreaker would be, he almost side slams him onto the chair. Now, maybe it's my lack of education as a wrestling fan at this point in my life. I don't know. I'd never seen that before. At this point in my life, well, not, you know, two thousand two, I'd never seen that before. And when that happened. I can remember physically cringing in 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 that front room in 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 Abbeydale in Gloucester because it looked horrific and the amount of times that Sean really arched his back to sell and we come back to I suppose we mentioned it in the mid south match with Sean Michaels taking certain bumps and you could see what he was going to become with regards to selling certain aspects here I think Michaels selling is what makes so much of this contest triple h is a nasty bastard he's vile and he's horrific and jim ross is very keen and quick to point out how vile and horrific triple h is that all is part of the package but michael's selling is unreal and there are times of course we're fully aware of the hogan match a few years later at SummerSlam where he goes a bit silly and all that and uh, yeah we we know he can 
shall we say, Sean can sometimes be a bit of a scamp, shall we say, to play it down a touch. But <laughs> here, his selling is so on point. And it, again, suspension of disbelief for me in professional wrestling is a massive thing. We all know how it works now. We all know how the business works. I, when I press play on something from AEW, or I go back and watch old stuff for Chain Wrestling or Nitro Nights or whatever show I'm, I'm on, I'm talking about things. I still want to press play and lose myself in what I'm watching and lose myself in the product. And I still, I suppose I still want to be that, that, that 10 year old kid. And I still want to believe here. I believed Mm. the whole duration of this match, you know, in in 2002 when I was 21, I believed this was real. I I, I remember literally sitting there to my friend telling him, Sean needs to just lie down and get pinned. But I'm talking like it's a real thing. It, I'm, I'm saying <laughs> he needs to stop because of his injuries. But obviously we know how it works. And it, it's just, I, I think this is the whole scenario, the build, the platform being SummerSlam, being a big occasion, Michael's performance, Triple H is the nastiest bastard in the world at this point, And he's brilliant at being that nasty bastard. Jim Ross provides the lyrics to the music they're creating in front of us. And to me, I'm lost in this and it it's genuinely an art form. And this is why it's one of my favorite matches of all time. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, sort of enraptured by a match and, um, that that's exactly the reason, um, a couple of days ago, Dan, I sent you the, uh, Ricky star, Frank Fozo match from 1959 that we have to do. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah, but but that that's why we're doing it because yeah. you know you, you watch it and you're completely enraptured from it. Well, yeah, and and to Sai's point, when he's talking about the back backbreaker on the chair, I've watched this match several times over the years, and in my notes, still it says the backbreaker on the chair was fucking gnarly. Mm. But what I'd almost forgotten is I remember that spot, but what I'd forgotten is the pop for Sean refusing to quit. Yes, after a couple of covers. But that happens, and then he gets a side slam onto the chair, and JR is calling for Earl Hebner to fast count, and there's more kickouts, and the crowd are chanting HBK, and the next thing on my notes is just, this is bloody brilliant. Because yeah. that, little, that little section of this match, because sort of to get from where we were with the between the backbreaker spots, there's been DDTs on the chair, Sean's started bleeding, Sean's been whipped with his own belt that's got a big old buckle on it Triple H has gone for the sledgehammer we've had we've had Earl Hebner doing his Goldberg routine Goldberg Goldberg yeah (laughs) and you know we've had Sean firing up a bit Triple H shoves Earl into the ropes crotches Sean on the top rope and then just takes the chair right into Sean's back and then hits the backbreakers it's, it could so easily be gratuitous. Mm. But the belief you have that Sean just won't quit, even though you think he maybe should, it's, it, it's magic. This whole thing is absolutely magic. And later on, when they're both covered in blood, throwing punches at each other, and then Michaels hits the true version of the flying forearm, because we were mentioning earlier that he barely got off the ground against Austin. Yes. He got off the ground here, and then he hit the nip up as he always did. 
The pop. Oh, yeah. I got a note about that as well. Yeah, the pop for the nip up. Oh, my word. <laughs> yeah, I put my pop in my notes. I do have to say, though, I hate, hate, hate Golden Burl. It's like, why the fuck yeah. is Earl Hebner presented as WWE's version of Goldberg? Things, for some reason, things, I get what you mean, but I don't care because he's having a go at Triple H. Yeah, but if Triple H had his pokey stick, he wouldn't. But it, again, it's unsanctioned. <laughs> so why didn't Triple H just fucking drill him? It's not matter. He should have done. I, I wish he had. And, um, you know, drill Don Stevens while he's at, uh, at it. <laughs> I, I've obviously gone uh, on, on, I don't know, rant is the right word, but I've gone on tirades, whatever. Singing this is this the praises of what we're talking about right now. And again, I apologise for going long and, and, and sort of, you know, hijacking things. With, with Dude, white... Don't apologise, it's why we got you in. I do have a negative about this. <gasps> really? Yeah. I... Similar to how once upon a time a DDT should end a match, a super kick should end a match. Don't even start me off about the fucking Young Bucks. I swear to God, the amount of arguments I've had with my daughter about that is unreal. But mm-hmm. Although they did create the Greater Golf Tournament, which has given us 13 weeks of content. Well, yes. there you go. There you go. The sledgehammer's not needed. If you hit someone with a sledgehammer, I mean, uh, I'm assuming, gentlemen, you have both lifted or swung or used a sledgehammer in your time. Yes. Yeah. But if what I've you never hit somebody I'd with that. Just put my hand over the end of it and hit something. Well, no, this is true. This is true. <laughs> but I don't think the sledgehammer shot at the end, and I suppose we're jumping ahead a little bit, and I apologize, but Michaels wins the match, and then Triple H hits him in the back with a sledgehammer. It's overkill. It's ridiculous. It, the guy, he should be paralyzed for life. And But. That is pro wrestling. It is what it is. Jim Ross calls him a son of a bitch and, and so on. And it It's great because Triple H gets his heat back. And the premise is that, you know, this is a one and done for Michaels. He's wrestled. He's disappearing. Triple H can still be a nasty bastard the following night on Raw. So from a booking standpoint, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Using so, so it, it in the match, using it in the match, that's not needed. Because it's good enough without that extreme measure for me. I know what you mean. Uh, at the end of the match, when you get the people in white coats carrying Sean uh, out of the ring, it's like they're either cricket umpires or they're performing a post-mortem on him. <laughs> <laughs> the people in white coats, to be fair, with his mental state in 96, 97, should have come from then. You know? <laughs> to, to, to be fair, if Bang Bang Andy was on the podcast, he'd be saying it was Fred Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> Fred Elliott and his and his and his butcher's block. Um, yeah, I, I get I get your problem with the sledgehammer stuff, but I think you just get sort of so caught up in the drama. It, it unless you're being really sort of critical, it doesn't it doesn't register. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I'm 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 picking a negative in a, a sea of positives. I really am because yeah. I love I mean, everything about this. Yeah, you're talking about towards the end of the match. When Sean goes to the top and hits the splash to the floor, mm-hmm. and it quite rightly gets a holy shit champ. Yes, because my God, what the hell was he doing doing that? But he even like does the whole you know finger around the head. I'm crazy now. Sod it. Whatever. And 
Yeah, just little yeah, touches from, from Michaels. <laughs> yeah, little touches from Michaels, and and obviously by this stage he's he's discovered God. He, he's he, you know the story goes he's turned his life around, and good luck to the guy because he, he had obvious troubles, you know, mm. in certain aspects of his life, and there's there's horrific stories that you hear about him from various people that knew him and so on. He's got the the Bible quotation, uh, the Bible reference across his shirt. And did you, did, do you know what that is, actually? I don't know. Philippians, yes. I can do all things through him that gives me strength. Uh, that gives me strength. OK, well, that makes sense, because that, that's a conversation he had with. I think his wife's name is Rebecca. She was an ex nitro girl. No, no, no si. his wife's name is Whisper. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I, I apologize. She's watching her during. Uh, and she apparently in all of this in the build-up and so on she she just kept telling him you know god will let you do what you can do so believe in him and and you'll get strength through him and so on so that i suppose rings true to what his wife was telling him i guess that's quite a nice little you know sort of circle back to the family life i guess isn't it yeah i suppose so and free holidays to cancun and snow mountain or whatever it was called big bear in uh, california yeah, big bear yeah. yeah, um, but the, just everything about this match is is or virtually everything, as we say about about the uh, the sledgehammer, is fantastic. And even the finish where yes, Sean hits the elbow off the ladder to a massive pop, gets up to a massive pop, and he and it's hitting a crescendo and he's setting up for the switching music. Triple H catches it goes for the pedigree, and you can hear the the worry and the fear in the crowd. It's, it's actually, it, it's it, audible, is that the right word? It is, you can hear it in, in it, through the footage. But then Michaels picks the legs, front flips into the pin for the three. A sudden finish, and it's been nearly half an hour. But that as well, it's... I wasn't saying that as a negative, by the way. No, 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 no. But, but that as well, it's... You got to think as well. At the time this match was put on, it was being thought of as a one-off. Mm. If Sean had gone in there against the guy that, again, Sean himself and Vince in their conversation described as the top guy, if Sean had gone in there and destroyed him and then pinned him, that's their top guy getting beaten by a bloke who they've said hasn't wrestled for years, has a bad back, is a wreck, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Even when Sean wins. It's done in a way that looks like it was a a moment. He wrestled him in a moment, almost almost pins him in an, an upset fashion to a degree. And then you look through the rest of their program, for, well, for the next few months, next few pay per views. Sean never actually gets the better of Triple H properly, one on one, in 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 a proper you know one on one contest. You look at the pay-per-views that happen. I mean, Sean returns and wrestles at Survivor Series, which, again, is an incredible pay-per-view. Some fantastic wrestling on that show. And Triple H drops the world title to Sean in the Elimination Chamber. But Sean's last in, Triple H's first in. And has his throat caved in by RVD. Exactly. And then when it gets to Armageddon, and you're talking the three stages of hell, that match goes off. I, I'm, again, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys probably know more than I, but 
it, go, it must go, I think it's 40 or 45 minutes, something like that. And remember. there's there's the ladder, there's the cage, there's the street fight, I think, whatever the stipulations were. One-on-one over a longer period, Triple H prevails. So this whole time that Sean is coming back and has this you know wave of fan support and and so on, he's still looking like the underdog and Triple H is still the top guy. Because it could have been so, quite easy to, I think, I think invest too much in Sean here mm-hmm. and make Triple H look weak, potentially. So that three stages of hell, I've just found it, that went 35 minutes. Okay, well, yeah, okay, not far off, but yeah, fair enough. Um, and it's not, to be fair, it should have been much better than it was. I love Sean, but that wasn't great. Yeah, but it had to go on last because, you know, the... The other match was Kurt Angle, Big Show, and all, and all respect to both of them, that was never going to be as good as Triple H, Shawn Michaels. But the real main event on that Armageddon card was Batista versus Kane, so, you know. Well, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got to say something positive about Kane on this episode, because it ain't going to happen after this. I, I was going to say that there's more Kane promotion on this show than bloody Barry Windham promotion on chain wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Mags, Mags is always the one to bring up Barry Windham. Yeah, yeah it's like trying to get a rise at me. That's all it is. Yeah, the, the West Texas redneck himself. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say, because we have gone on quite, we have gone on for quite a while about this match now. We all loved it. I think that's, that's right. Rob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a fantastic Come back. I mean, better than you could have possibly hoped for, really. Yeah, um, it blew everybody away at the time. It continues to do so today, and it led to, for my money, Michael's greatest run. Yes, he did the better. He did the better work at the end of his career. You know, leading up, leading right up to WrestleMania 26. Controversial opinion. I prefer the WrestleMania 26 match to the WrestleMania 25 match with Undertaker. Uh, can I? This is something that pains me as a Shawn Michaels fan. Mm. The first Undertaker match at WrestleMania, and it, it's blatantly because I was at work. I was I was at work, and I did. A, I, I don't know. It was like a 14-hour shift on the Saturday. Um, Sunday, I thought I was Billy Big Bollocks, didn't go for my tactical sleep, which is now mandatory when I watch <laughs> pay-per-view, because I'm an old man. I fell asleep at the beginning of Sean Undertaker, the first one at WrestleMania. Yeah. And I was woken up by my wife shouting at the finish. <laughs> so I, I never got to enjoy, because obviously I wake up at the finish, I see what's happened. I've never, as you know, a huge Michaels fan, I never got to enjoy that match, like I suppose live or as live with the near falls or anything, because I was in a drunken stupor and fell asleep on the sofa. And I'm embarrassed to say that I'm a disgrace to myself. <laughs> I, I did the same thing through Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair at 24. Oh, my word. And then through Roman Reigns versus who did you face at the Rumble this year? Oh, the Rumble? Oh, my goodness. Um, Who was it at the Rumble? Kevin Owens. Oh, yes. Because it was the big Sammy turn, so I I, I fell asleep in the pub and woke up to the Sammy turn. Why? 
But you mentioned there about um, Sean's second run. And that's where the, the, the term Mr. WrestleMania really came from. And if you don't mind, gentlemen, I'm going to give myself a little bit of a cheap plug here. A new project I'm starting is a solo show. It's been fewer in the bag recorded and it'll be coming out at some point via SJP World Media. I'm, I'm going back and I'm reviewing all of Michael's matches, WrestleMania matches in order. And if people like it and, and enjoy it, I'll move on to other pay-per-views and go through those in order. But when he came back, what a run that was. Because you had Jericho. Yeah, first ridiculous. And then you had the triple threat. Oh, the triple threat with Benoit and Triple H was incredible. The angle match is just mind-blowing. Is that only in 19? Uh, the angle match was 21. 20. Okay. 17, Michaels got turned away. He, wasn't, he still wasn't back wrestling at this point, but Michaels got turned away around the time of 17 because mm. Triple H went to Vince and said, this guy's fucked up. And Sean yeah. and Triple H fell out for a while because Sean turned up, pilled off his tits, apparently. 18, he didn't work. 19, he wrestled Jericho. Uh, so, yeah, Jericho match was one I was saying. I was getting out of order. Yeah, and 20 was the triple threat, which was incredible. 21 was Angle, which was amazing. I think 22, was that the Cena match? Potentially, because I, I think it was 21 where Cena wrestled JBL. Yes. Yeah. And obviously then we go into... The Undertaker double header and and just what a run of WrestleMania matches that it's insane how good this guy was considering when you know we've spoke about WrestleMania fourteen and at the time we're thinking this guy's never going to work again. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a ridiculous comeback story and it's I think potentially incomparable in wrestling to, no. to have that kind of no no I'm not having that I said potentially yeah because I knew you'd have something to say in the early 70s and then he came back as big daddy and 80 million people watched him fair enough yeah like I said I knew you'd have something to blow me out of the water that's why I said potentially I, well I don't even think they're in the same universe but I, I think it's amazing what Sean did yeah and it's just a shame he couldn't do the comeback trick twice because the next match we're looking at is Crown Jewel 2018. No, no, we're not. I, I'm, I'm, it's late. I'm going to bed. I don't want to talk anymore. If I have to talk about it, you have to talk about it. <laughs> so to pull back the curtain a little bit once again, we've just had another little break to freshen up the beverages uh, because I don't know Have you got through refreshened up, though? I was just... A- I was just about to say that because I need more alcohol to get into this. Um, so I'm going to go first, if you don't mind. I'm currently drinking a Rumi's March Equinox, which is a 5.4% Martin beer, which is actually rather nice from a beer 52. And then next up, I've got an AIPA from uh, Two Tribes. It's a Brewers Edition European Pale Ale at 4.5%. And then I've got... A DW from Brewing Co., which is Dunkel Vice, a dark wheat beer at 4.5%. So it's still steady away, but switching up the varieties. Si, what are you drinking? I've run out of those four bottles of ale that I bought, and my wife has just bought me another three cans of carling. So 
some Brexit piss. Yeah, people mock me for it, but I can drink Carling all day and all night and be okay. So it's kind of what I enjoy. And I'm looking at the floor now because I record in the bedroom for those who are unaware. I know some people have seen a picture of my tiny little recording space that's barely wide enough for my laptop on the floor next to me. It looks like, oh, I don't know, maybe two recycling bins full. And I'm thinking <laughs> maybe, maybe my wife's right and I have a problem. But shh, don't tell her. What you should do, Sai, is crush the cans down. You'll, you'll get a lot more in there. Well, you think so, but we have rules in our house and Livy gets her pocket money if she does the recycling and she, uh, won't, cru- she won't crush down shit. She just t- she literally stands there tipping the carrier bag of cans into the recycling bin, glaring at my mum, well, glaring at her mum, Sharon, as she does it. So they're both, you know, very disapproving of my actions, I guess. I once heard a shoot interview with Kevin Nash and he said that the NWO had built into the contract that they got basically a, a dustbin full of beer Brilliant. Um, and obviously there's like a load of ice in because it's America so you know cool it down sort of thing and the you know the filming at Disney and all this sort of stuff and, and they realized that when they got the bottles the bin still weighed a lot when they were trying to like move it to throw it away so they had the contract changed from bottles to cans oh down <laughs> Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) What are you on, Rob? Yeah, so I've just finished off um, an Earthly Delights from North Brewing Co., uh, which is a 4.8% pale ale. North's a decent brewery, a decent taproom in Leeds. It's worth going. And obviously the old brewery is where Tartarus has moved to. So um, very much appreciate that. And now I'm on to the last of the beers that I picked up when I went out drinking with Chris Bellis in Hull. It's a Maximator from Augustin Brau Munchenden, one of the German beers. It's bloody lovely at 7.5%, um, so I'm working my way through that. You caved into the 7.5% just before the Crown Jewel match. I'd always planned to wear uh, <laughs> <laughs> you meant You mentioned him there, Rob, so quick shout out to Chris Bellis as well. Guy's great. He shares every show that I'm involved in. He, he retweets it and gets involved in all sorts of stuff. And I ask questions online and so on. So yeah, top bloke, top bloke, Chris Bellis. Absolutely. And just the the depth of research that that he goes to for all his for all his podcasting and all oh, his projects. Yeah. It's unreal. Like I've said it before about disgusting awful. I'm I'm a horror movie fan, and I watched a documentary on Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Uh, it was on Netflix. It's called The Movies That Made Us or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Chris and Danny's breakdown of it in podcast form had information about the production and the background and all of that that wasn't in this documentary. See, disgusting awful. I got into um, the whole uh, Chris Bellis, Scottish Danny podcast uh, and so on. From the wrestling standpoint, obviously, because that's, you know, Mm. what i'm into scottish danny does nitro nights with me so when he started doing uh discussing off all with with chris I, I gave that a try out as well i'm not a horror movie buff i love the original halloween i love good horror films but i've not seen many which will surprise nobody when i say i've not seen that because that's a running theme i guess but <laughs> <laughs> i listen to shows by by those guys talking horror movies 
I've never even heard of some of these films. And I listen to them and I think, man, I've got to go watch that. So yeah. now my, my Netflix or my Sharon's got, oh, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm not very, you know, technologically sound as, as Daniel attests to, but um, Sharon's <laughs> got different subscription things and not only fans, nothing like that, but like, you know, Amazon and all. There's different stuff queued now on different <laughs> Sharon's like, what the hell is this? What have you recorded here? What is this thing here? And it's all down to those guys because they get me excited about something that I've got no clue about. And, that, and that's fantastic how good they are at what they do, isn't it? Yeah, really is. And as they say, they say that they're proudly part of the, the UTT podcast family. We're, we're proud to have them because they do immense work. Um, yeah, so yeah nice, nice little plug for the boys in there, for the one man's meat boys. Uh, if you listen to this and you haven't listened to them, what the fuck are you doing? Go listen to them. Uh, but we're still putting off talking about Crown Jewel. Uh, it's past my bedtime now, to be fair. Oh, shut up, you stay. Uh, uh, I, spoke, I spoke to Shah, you're allowed to stay up for this. Um, I bet you spoke to Shah. You speak to my wife more than I do. Well, one of us has got to know what's going on when we're meeting up in Sheffield. Yeah, that's <laughs> a story for another day. But yeah, yeah, you're telling me our plans this Friday. And I'm like, are we doing that? Yeah, yeah I, spoke, I, I, spoke, I spoke to Sharon. I was like, uh, all right, and fine, whatever. <laughs> But I had a look at the uh, the Crown Jewel 2018 card, and in contrast to the SummerSlam 2002 card, this looks entirely forgettable. There's a few matches on paper that look like they could be decent. Angle, Ziggler, Rollins, Ziggler, and, and AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. But the one thing that got me is that even on the I'm thumbnail... I'm disappointed, Dan, that you didn't shout, Wendy! Oh, uh, yeah, that was a thing. Have you seen that Samoa Joe's going to be in a TV show? Samoa Joe is going to be on the first match of Collision, with uh, or the first main event of Collision. I mean, not, I mean a non-wrestling TV show. But but can you believe you know the the book this whole Collision thing and the bringing CM Punk back, CM Punk's return to AEW and his big return after that whole fight with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks is going to be a six-man match where he's tagging with Juice Robinson and. J.Y. against FTR and uh, Samoa Joe. It's FTR FTR and Punk. Does it make any difference? I mean, mean, what the fuck? Not to me, but somebody will be... Somebody will be getting all effusive about it somewhere. You've got got a combination (laughs) of those six guys, and they're going to have a six-man. And to my mind... You know, you're bringing Punk back to Collision. Shouldn't be. It shouldn't be addressing the elephant in the room. That's where the money is. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah but, but they've all got such fragile egos. Nobody wants to address the elephant in the room. But you're absolutely spot on, Rob. That's where the money is. The first show on a Saturday night for Collision in Chicago. CM Punk is coming back. They've already got the money. People are already going to tune in. People are going to watch because it's Punk coming back, hoping to hear what's going to happen. Knowing Tony Khan and knowing how AEW works, they'll they'll shoot their load quicker than a 15-year-old is first time on top of a woman. It'll be bang, done. And that's the wrong way to do it, in my opinion, because you're getting people back for that match. Whilst that match is going on, you could tease Punk is going to be back next week to address the issues. And there's your hook. There's your viewers coming back next week. No, no, Hook's going to stay on Dynamite with uh, Taz. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> also, on, on the mention of Hook, he's got that I silly think. floppy haircut that, uh, I mean, my, my eldest daughter is 19 and she asks me to meet her in town all the time. She's got a new boyfriend and this, that, the other. And I see her friends and her boyfriend. They've all got that silly floppy haircut. And Hook was on, um, I think he might have been on Dynamite the other week. And it's the first time I've seen him in, on TV for a while. And he's messing his hair up and doing the floppy hair and trying to get it up and, you know, how they do that, I guess. <laughs> Excuse me. But the whole time, he's got his hood up. So you can't fucking see it anyway. What's the point? Am I that old? I don't right, understand. Back to, back, to, back, to, back to Crown Jewel. Okay. <laughs> just before that, I, the one thing I will say about Hook, in the great spirit of uh, Ronda Rousey and Alberto Del Rio and Tank motherfucking Abbott, is at least he's bringing some <laughs> judo into wrestling. Yes, yeah, yeah. That is true. It's, it's nice that you gave Tank his full name. The respect he deserves. Yeah, exactly. So I find this up on the network for Crown Jewel 2018, and even on the thumbnail, Shawn Michaels looks like Nick Gage's dad. I heard so many bad things about this at the time, I just never wanted to watch it. And particularly as a massive Kane fan, not to be confused with a Glenn Jacobs fan, Glenn Jacobs can fuck off, Kane would be ashamed of Glenn Jacobs. I knew it would be painful. And I was fully expecting a stinker. <sighs> it's not good, is it? But I've got in front of me now, I make my notes with like bullet points and so on. Yeah. Um, I've got last match we're covering, 2018 Crown Jewel. That's in red, so I, I know where to scan down to. And directly underneath it, it says, oh fucking dear. <laughs> uh, we have covered some Kane atrocities on this podcast series that Dan has said was good. Not today. Not today. Uh, Which shows you, I mean, we've seen Kane nearly break people's necks by accident and just just stink up the joint and Dan's loved it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Do you know know what the first, well, I say first, one of the earliest red flags for me was seeing it as 40 minutes on the thumbnail. Oh, God. And they, they do a video package, right? And it's, it's something I forgot to mention from the last uh, the last match. The video package was fantastic because WWE, love my hate them, always do brilliant video packages. It's just a fact that they do. And this was bullshit. Middle-aged men with glow sticks. Yeah. So the whole, there was a lot of talk in the video package about no fear and not coming for comedy or nostalgia but to kick ass. And then you get middle-aged men with glow sticks. But there was so much history and, and so many story, good stories between these four. Triple H and Kane, I thought, had some really underrated rivalry, matches for the IC title and it was a good rivalry. Sean and Taker is legendary. Triple H and Sean is legendary. Kane and Taker is legendary. And this is the culmination. This fucking bollocks. When Shawn Michaels comes out, I said he looked like Nick Gage's dad. Well, he comes out of Crown Jewel looking like Nick Gage's dad cosplaying Hangman Page. I've got a little rundown. So it's HBK's match, first match in eight years. And the mad thing is, Shawn is the best part about this match. But everybody laugh, has a bit of a laugh and a joke about Undertaker and his, his entrances and all that. First off, before that, Kane's pyro in that arena looked fantastic. Kane looked, Kane looked bloated and tired, and I was sad immediately. 
Yeah. Wasn't this the year when they did like a, a big street parade with the Undertaker, like a you know a giant balloon going through the um, streets of Jeddah or whatever the week before to uh, promote the Undertaker being there? I don't know. I wasn't really invested at this point. But anyway, I, I timed Undertaker's entrance. So the first gong started at uh, three hours, four minutes and 35 seconds. And it looked pretty cool. Undertaker's music started 35 seconds later. Undertaker appeared a minute and 11 seconds after the first gong on the stage. Wow. And he... And he joined Kane at the bottom of the ramp two minutes and 25 seconds after the first gong of his music. So for two minutes, Kane was just stood there like a lemon. And then it was another 46 seconds before Undertaker was on the steps and doing his whole raise the house lights. It was then another 22 seconds before he got actually got in the ring and... By three hours, eight minutes and 40 seconds, he'd taken his gear off. So the entrances, so, you know, the whole video package and the rest of the entrances was a total of around about eight minutes. Can, but can four, you, minutes, but four, minute, four minutes and five seconds were all taken. Can you imagine how much story we'd got through in eight minutes of WCW 2000? We'd have had 17 <laughs> different angles. Well, we would. No, no, seriously, we would have had a lot. We'd have had more storyline than we get in a month at the moment. Yeah. Eight minutes of, you know, because in 2000 in WCW, they realised that TV time was precious. Mm. But here, because they're hosting it on their own network, they can indulge Undertaker. Yeah, playing devil's advocate here then, okay? It's in good and bad cop. I agree with what you're saying. That's a long time. But I don't know what the other guys were paid. I'm assuming it's the same or more. But Sean got paid $1 million for this appearance. This is the problem with the Saudi shows. Because they pay them so much, everyone gets like an inflated payday off it. So it's not as simple as comparing it to an episode of Raw or SmackDown or whatever. Mm. Because they're getting $50 for the show, everyone's getting crazy money for it. Mm. So... If you can get paid one million, and your your segment, your match, your whatever it may well be referenced as, is thirty minutes, forty minutes, fifty minutes, and you can take up ten minutes of that by just walking slowly to the ring with a badass hat and a long coat, you're still getting paid one million quid, and you're not getting dropped on your back or your head. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. But your job is also entertainment. Yeah, the the point me and Dan are making is that they they could have you know gone off and filmed other segments. They could have put more promotion into the show. They could have used that time more wisely. Yeah, yeah, I I, I completely agree. But they've already got the money. Yeah, the I know. Thing. I know where you're coming from. I just... And they've already got the money for how many years is this deal? Ten years or whatever it's stupid yeah. is. Yeah, uh, well, they, they don't give a fuck, is, is the honest answer to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they didn't start giving a fuck until this year. And that's because they already had a hot storyline with the uh, the bloodline. Mm. But anyway, regardless of what the Saudi shows are and aren't, again, this 
there's so after after Taker's elongated entrance, which at this point in time we had been conditioned to expect. I just thought I was just so depressed and bored at it already that I thought, you know what, I wonder how long this actually is, because I was expecting it to be longer, to be quite frank. But when everybody got in the ring, there was a couple of minutes of stare down to almost no reaction until somebody started until a few people started chanting, This is awesome. It's not awesome. No, because even the start of the match, Triple H and Kane decide they're gonna start. And there's a lot of walking around, and then Triple H just gestures at Undertaker to try and draw him in. There was well over a minute after they decided who was going to start, and nobody touched. Mm. And even when they did start going, it just it wasn't good. The, the majority of this match is slow, plodding, boring. It just it didn't grip me whatsoever. But Shawn Michaels still did because he proved fairly early into his time in the match that he could still do a bit yeah so, certainly more than the other guys we'd seen to that point and I'm just going to throw it to you guys to let me know what you thought of Michaels I don't know if Cy Rob do you want to, who, who wants to start it, it was funny this one because he looked so old mm. uh, and obviously he's had a lot of hair loss you know it, it, it's like the Ron Wright, 1972, 1973 hair loss, isn't it? That we saw from Shawn Michaels. But we saw a lot more out of him in this match than I was expecting to see because he'd been away for a while, a good long while. Uh, and twice, twice as long as the gap between WrestleMania 14 and SummerSlam 2002. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of time when Shawn is left in the ring and, you know, that they're sort of cutting the ring in half and it's Taker and Kane taking turns on him. It was more than I was really expecting from Sean in this because I think Sean did a lot of the heavy lifting of the match because yeah. you could have booked it the other way around where Triple H did all the selling and then Sean comes in for the hot tag and, you know, sweet chin music and everyone's happy. I think Triple H, you know, Triple H, sorry, Dan, I apologise. That's all right. I think we're about to make the same point. Triple H, you know, ripped a muscle off his body. It was his early on. Yeah. And Sean had to kind of, I suppose, to coin your phrase, do the heavy lifting because Triple H was a mess. He couldn't raise his arm. There are moments where he tried to get involved and he's doing everything left-handed. He's throwing chops. Yeah. When do you, you see Triple H throw chops? Sorry, left... Uh, I got my right and my left the wrong way around. But he's, you know, he can't use his one arm. He can't lift it high enough to throw a clothesline. The match suffers because Triple H got injured. It's it's interesting to me, though. I suppose it comes down to how natural a performer Sean is. In that, in this circumstance, we've got a match here that is in a place that is maybe not ideal for pro wrestling. This match is taking place purely because of money, as opposed to storylines or anything like that. Dan, I don't mean to upset you, but Kane is Kane is a mess. He's crap. Yeah. Uh, the Undertaker is not... The Undertaker is not the Undertaker. Triple H is injured early on. So you've got a guy in, in Shawn Michaels, who I think at this stage... Doesn't um, the commentary team say he has not wrestled in eight years? 
don't know if that's accurate or not. It is. I checked. Okay. So you got a guy who's not wrestled in eight years. He's in front of fucking, was it 80,000 people on pay-per-view? He's got to carry this match. At 52, it, year, at 52 years old. Yeah. And his, his yeah. partner, who in theory, his partner should be the guy in that role because he is the most active at this point in time. Kane, you know, is what Kane is. The Undertaker, you know, he's a mess physically. He needs to be carried to matches. His knees are gone. His back's gone, as we see in certain documentaries. Triple H is, I assume, going to be the guy who carries this match. Quite early on, he's turning He's turning to his best friend and going, yeah, Sean, can't lift me on, mate. So, <laughs> you know, not being funny, you're going to have to, like, get in there and do some shit. <laughs> and I think Sean comes out of this really well, considering it's been eight years. But at the same time, everything about this is is horrible. We just spoke about one of my favourite matches of all time. The last match we, we discussed, the commentary was fantastic. In this match, the commentary is awful. Yeah. I, I've put that. I, I've actually put in my notes, where's Mark Madden when you need him? There you <laughs> go. <laughs> no, seriously, if you'd have had Mark Madden and Scott Hudson on, on this show, it, it would have been infinitely better. Scott Hudson, I agree. It was just dull, this commentary. It, it was like, yeah. yeah. I, I would say it was like watching the snooker, but that would be doing a disservice to the snooker. The crowd at SummerSlam 2002 is incredible because they get the product mm. they're watching. They're excited. And I, I suppose in a way it, you could put it down to different upbringings, different areas, different whatever. The crowd for SummerSlam 2002, they're a wrestling audience. Here in 2018, this is not a wrestling audience. They don't react how you expect a wrestling crowd to react, which is not their fault. They've not had this growing up. But the crowd sucks. You know? I don't know. I think I think you say that, but there's one point where Kane and Triple H are trading punches and the crowd are giving it a boo, yeah. And that's more than it deserves. Right. So they weren't the best, but I don't think they were the worst. I think what we're seeing is where they've been, you know, there's this big event going on, so people are going to it and they're thinking they may be doing a crash course in wrestling. You know, they've watched a few things, they're saying, this is coming, great, we'll look into it, we'll go to the event, and they're trying. And then I think now, five years down the line, the Saudi crowd were actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think, years, so but I think, but I think this, this is the, I, it. Kind of ties into your point, in essence, that we're seeing a crowd, a crowd in a market that's almost just starting out. Yeah, and that's fine. You have to educate. You have to. Uh, you you need to familiarize your audience with what you're doing to get the yeah. reactions you require. Now. In 2018, these people, good luck to them. They love their wrestling. They're all there, etc. But they're not the crowds that we have now in 2023 when, when WWE goes off to these uh, little pockets of the world 
and has these huge arena shows and so on. Like Cardiff. But, yes, exactly like Cardiff. Yeah, little <laughs> tiny, the, the armpit of Gloucestershire is Cardiff. Um, it's not in Gloucestershire, I'll make that up. But <laughs> it's close enough. But to me, you're not getting a wild crowd. If this was at WrestleMania in the States, in a stadium, and you've got Kane, Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, this would be wild. And every mm. little thing they did, that standoff that you spoke about that lasted so long, that would be lapped up because it would be people would be invested. The wrestling fans who are in attendance would understand the history of what's going on. I don't think that the majority, I'm not saying all, because that's unfair, but the majority of the people in attendance here don't understand the history or have maybe not had access to the history to see, you know, the storylines, the build-up, etc. We have these legends that have, you know, we're going back to like 97, 96, whatever it may well be for some of these guys and their stories. It's even further back than that, Si, because there is one point where The Undertaker puts the Patagonian nose hold on Shawn Michaels. Uh, That's the callback for the 1970s and how you're being served and shades of Jackie Palo. Well, there you go. Wing, Wing Commander Nash's new favourite submission. <laughs> um, but, no, I, I get what you mean. I get. Sorry, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I get what you mean about the, the standoff. Maybe with a more rabid crowd, if they'd have built it up on on a US or a, probably definitely a UK show. But everything after the bell, I think, would have been met with crickets or barely anything. Whereas at least from the Saudi crowd here, there was there was little pockets of wanting to be involved. Okay, interesting. So I'm maybe adapting my, you know, well, I'm doing what anybody does in the face of evidence. I'm adapting my opinion. Um, <laughs> well, no, but it's right though. You raise a good point. You know, the stare, the stare. I've never thought about the stare down from that perspective. If that was WrestleMania. And you've had the big entrances. Maybe, um, if, it was maybe if it was WrestleMania 17. <laughs> wow, there you go. <laughs> I mean, uh, I know it's, you know, different kettle of fish, but you look at Hogan Rock, WrestleMania 18. If that was in yeah. Saudi in 2018, would that get the same reaction? Probably because The Rock was a film mega star by then. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Is it? I get your point. Sorry, I was, I was being a bit facetious, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's that thing of do they? These are new ventures, aren't they? These are these are new, new eye reaches of the world, new corners of the planet. That uh, I say corners of the planet. I'm not a flat earther. Fuck that shit. But you know, <laughs> not only a flat earther, you're a square earther. <laughs> yes, yeah, square. It's a big cube. <laughs> Cubes are flat. Oh fuck's sake. <laughs> we're looking at parts of the planet that maybe haven't seen the history if this was in front of i don't know if this was in where do the cowboys play my wife will hate me for this because she's a cowboy okay i know dallas you prick but <laughs> if this was in their stadium with wrestling fans what, what do you mean dallas cowboy stadium is that what it's called i ain't got a fucking clue okay. anyway rob was trying to, rob was trying to say something about a minute ago Oh, no, no, you crack on. 
No, I, 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 I don't get your point. Reaction. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I think some of this gets a different reaction if it's in front of a United States audience. Well, but the biggest, the biggest issue is Triple injury, isn't it? But I tell you what, this match proved. Whenever Sean does his flying forearm and and kip up, it still gets a pop. Yes. The one thing I would say you were saying about the audience that it was in front of and who was watching it and whatever. That Patagonian nose hold got 22 million viewers when uh, Jackie Palo did it. Well, there you they go. Did. <laughs> yeah. Can and we address I'm, the elephant in the room then? We've already talked about Kane. No, I mean Sean from No Hair. Nick Gage's dad. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, age gets to us all. Yeah. Can't blame him for going bald. It's not Shawn Michaels right the hair. Imagine if he'd have turned up in a wig. And I don't just mean a wig of like uh, and in 2002. I mean like a full bullfunk. Sean Dust. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, if Sean had Gold Dust's wig glued on so it didn't move throughout the flying forearm, the nip up everything, I'd have watched that. And you'd have watched if Malena was in his corner as well. Yeah. She, she's an attractive lady. I preferred her in WCW when she had that ridiculously large laptop. <laughs> yeah. I wondered what you were going to say there. <laughs> I think that's... I, I've got the same laptop I'm recording on now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> using, using that to run Championship Manager 82, are you? Yes. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, but... Well, you better stand Viv Anderson. <laughs> it, oh, it speaks a lot to the quality of this match that how many tangents were going on but I'll put it this way at, at one point there was the slowest flurry of offence I've ever seen and then Triple H uh, sorry Kane catches Triple H and choke slams him through the uh, the announce table and even that looked weak at this point I looked at the timer that was left on, on the network and my note simply reads how is there still so long of this left were 17 minutes in. I went for I went for a piss, came back, I left with Undertaker going for near fall near falls on Sean. I came back to the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I mean you went for a piss when Skandar Akbar brought bought Hercules Hernandez's contract. <laughs> <laughs> came back and they were still wrestling. I, I with regards to going for a piss and what we watched in the build up for this podcast and so on. Anyone who records with me knows that I like to watch what I'm going to talk about as late as possible because my memory is shit. And I also like to react quite, you know, quickly and freshly to what I've just seen. I misjudged how long some of these matches were. So I watched these today before we sat down to record. And I, I looked at the times and so on halfway through the matches and thought, shit, I'm about 10 minutes out. We're recording at half eight tonight. I'm not gonna. Oh, I'm not gonna fit them all in. Shit. Okay. So I decided to play the Shawn Michaels Triple H 2002 match because I've seen that a million and one times. And then whilst I'm getting ready, setting up, getting my laptop out, getting the wires in place, and all that sort of all sort of gumph and so on, I thought I can watch the the Saudi match just before we record. I mm-hmm. made such a wrong decision. I wish I'd watched Shawn Michaels Triple H again and just skip this and let you guys talk about it because <laughs> I missed the good stuff to 
make sure I can remember this. And I, I hate myself right now. Yeah. Oh, I've got a I've got a note here and I've, I've <laughs> reread it and it said Triple H injury fucked whatever hope this match had and Sean's just yes. taking a battering from two decrepit giants. I mean, we're talking about Shawn Michaels' career. That's the whole topic of this podcast. Sean comes out of this okay, you know. Yeah, he's the high point of this match. His his selling's still there. He's still doing the. At one point, he does the, the sort of the corner bump where he ends up in the trio. Well, you know, he goes upside down and and all the rest of it. Sean holds this match together. Sean yes. stops this from being completely unwatchable. Yep. We rated this on Chain Wrestling. Magsy and I both gave it a three out of ten. Mm. So it's not the worst thing we've ever seen, but it's held together by Sean, as you say. The one thing I really liked was Kane at one point sits Sean on the top, who and then Sean just punches him in the face and kind of knocks his mask off. I think Kane goes to the outside to fix his mask. Undertaker's already out there. Sean looks around, sees them both out there, shrugs his shoulders as if to say, fuck it, and hits the moonsault to the outside, which looks yes. fantastic, until you realise that Kane and Undertaker just let him eat shit on the landing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what you say about he shrugged his shoulders, as if to say, fuck it, I'm going to do it. The, go- the other guys didn't know, <laughs> by the looks of it. <laughs> no, but you'd think that, I don't know, but you'd think maybe reflex or, or something like that, oh shit, we've got to catch him. But no, just splat. Okay, so... With regards to the finish, then stuff happens. Yeah, Sean hits two super kicks. In my opinion, you could have finished it there, but Triple H came in, and I don't know if it's an ego thing or if they're thinking this is the planned finish, let's do it. But Sean hits the super kick and goes into a pedigree, and it looks horrific. Yeah. If Triple H is in that much pain and he he's literally torn a muscle for crying out loud, could you not have called an audible? These are four of the most experienced, well-known, uh, I suppose, established professional wrestlers in the world. Could you not have just... Okay, Triple H, just stay there. We don't need the pedigree. It is what it is. Because it looked like crap, didn't it? You could if they gave a shit. One million pounds each. So I suppose. I mean, and the thing is, I say that, you know, Triple H got through with tearing his peck and all that. So they obviously they obviously do give a shit on some level. Mm. But like you said, just call the audible. Sean's hit switching music on both of Kane and Undertaker. You know, fair, you know, whatever you want Triple H to hit the pedigree for whatever reason, because you know, you've got to protect the young up and comer. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, in the, he's in the same mold of Jesse Lingard having potential at 37 but yeah it's just it hasn't got to be one he can hit a switch in music Kane can bounce off the ropes come back he can hit another one Kane looks strong Unsay looks strong whatever just that pedigree looks so bad so the last match one thing I forgot to say Shawn Michaels Triple H Sean came out of that a bigger baby face than he went in, and Triple H came out of it a bigger heel. Yes. Yeah, spot on. Nobody benefited from this crown jewel match. No. Sean Michaels came out level. 
Mm. Everybody else just like, oh, it's time to go in it, lads. And I think it's a real, a real shame. It's sad. For all of them. Yeah. But, well, not so much Sean, obviously. No, it's still, you know, me, it's, it, it, as a Michael's fan, it's still a shame. It, it's so sad. You'd rather, yeah, you'd rather he did not bother, I suppose, even though he held it together. Yeah. It, it's really sad because Michael's has said that's it. He's not, he's not going to work again. Now we've heard that before, of course, but I think, I think they had the, they had the chance with Michael's recently. If he was going to wrestle again, then surely it would have been in NXT when Grayson Waller was calling him out. Yeah. They had a whole thing where he was calling, you know, he was going, hey, Sean, hey, Sean, hey, Sean. Sean's done. Yeah. It it seems that way. And it's really sad to me that the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest performer of all time, his last note in wrestling is this. It's a real shame. Yeah. I, I can't believe you're saying this because someone did come out of Crown Jewel 2018 looking good. If you say Shane McMahon. The best in the world, Shane McMahon. God fucking damn it. Drink, <laughs> drink. Dear me. This whole match made me sad. That's it. That's all I've got. Well, anyone that has to follow Shane McMahon in 2018 is obviously uh, on, onto a loser, aren't they? Was this before or after Undertaker versus Shane Helen Uh Before, I think. I can't remember which WrestleMania it was at. But yeah, it, it was not It was not pleasant to watch. No. It's so, no. It's so upsetting, it, isn't it? I'll put it this way. I've, I have rated every match out of 10, and this got the lowest score. Well, okay. Put them in order. Uh, what, worst to best or best to worst? Worst to best. Let's finish on a positive. All right, so I'll go first. Uh, worst to best. So worst is Crown Jewel. Yep. Because it's fuck awful. And that was 2.5 out of 10. I gave the Mid-South match 5 out of 10. Okay. For Sean's I- performance. For Sean's performance, because he did nothing wrong. Have you included um, Dugan on the uh, apron demanding a helmet match? No, because I no because I only, I only recognise Jim Duggan, uh, <laughs> and the fact they call him Dugan just it makes a, a specific part of my brain itch. Well, I, I, I but it really irritates me. But I watched six months of Mid South for Dugan and his helmet. <laughs> That's the reason I can't watch it, because Jim Dugan, it's Duggan. There's a U and two Gs. It's an Ugg sound. You fuckwits. Anyway, so that was a five out of ten. Next up's the Mania match. Yeah. WrestleMania 14. It was a good match. It didn't get enough love from the crowd. Um, That's a six and a half. Then next up is the uh, the TWA Bunkhouse Brawl versus Venom. I gave that a seven, no sorry, seven point five, because it's my kind of shit. Like you said, it's a garbage match, but it's my kind of garbage. Okay, yeah. And I think they just did a really good job with the with the story. The announcer was spot on. 
and the one of the decisive factors was the crowd being so into it. Yeah, and yeah. then the be- the best match is uh, the SummerSlam match, which I gave a nine point five out uh, to because I am yet to see a perfect wrestling match, and I couldn't be bothered going to nine point seven five. Mine, I've not got ratings out of ten, but mine is exactly the same, apart from flipping WrestleMania fourteen and the match against Venom. Yeah, that's fair enough. I can I can understand that because it, it literally boils down to personal taste. Yeah, but I mean, I'm. You can ask me the same question tomorrow, and I might have them the same as you. They're they're both very good for what they are. Yeah, but the bottom and the it, top. They occupy the middle ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the top is quite clear. The bottom is quite clear. The middle ground, I suppose. Yeah. So, Rob, have you got ratings there? Well, I, I haven't gone into that much uh, granularity on um, on on the matches. Uh, t- to be fair, I have to say, Dan says he hasn't seen a perfect wrestling match. I, I submit to the jury that he has seen Burt Royal and Vic Faulkner versus Honey Boy Zimber and Massimbula. That's an so if if we were gonna go into the, the decimal points, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H would be a nine point seven five. The tag match you just mentioned would be a nine point eight five, and Les Kelly versus Leon Harris would be a nine point nine nine recurring. Okay. Wow. Rob, do me a favour. Send me the links to those. I will do. I, I will do. Let, let, let's get ourselves back to 1972. <laughs> <Get> these... <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no. Um, I, I, I thought I, I thought that was as near as we'd come to on, on this show. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I, I probably would agree with you, Dan, in terms of the ratings. Yeah. And I, I think cage match, cage match. It, Believe it or not, gave Brothers of Destruction versus uh, Sean and Triple H at uh, Crown Jewel 0.77 out of 10. Okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah, they, they haven't rated the Mid-South or the Venom match. They gave the um, Stone Cold match 7.24 out of 10. Okay. Uh, Mel- Meltzer gave it three and a quarter stars. Well, exactly. The Triple H uh, unsanctioned match, cage match, gave 9.16 out of 10. Yep. Meltzer gave four and a quarter stars. So low. So low. On both but, parts. Which no, no, he's part of the bloodline. Dark elevation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. In a way, it's, it's kind of sad that, we, like you say, sir, that we've we've come to this bad end for, for Michael's career. But do you know what we can do? We can give out some awards. Well, before we before we do that, Dan, we've already gone through the adverts on the show, and there was already an advert for Christopher Schindler. So, you know, uh, get your Huddersfield Town season tickets uh, before the price goes up. But I, I, I won't go through the normal shouts that we've had for the show because we've had quite a few comments in terms of people's opinions on Shawn Michaels. We so. Have. Matty at Guru of Mattitude said Sean is quite simply the best professional wrestler of all time, an obnoxious dickhead uh, of a man 
in his first main event run who needed taking down a peg, and we saw the outcome when that happened. His second run was legendary, and he had some of the best WrestleMania matches you're likely to see with uh, Taker. Both times, uh, Angle, Cena, Michaels is a shoo-in for anyone's Mount Rushmore. I like that because it allies with my views. Spot on. Spot on. Yeah. So uh, it's, only, it's the only time I'll credit Matty with any level of intelligence. Ooh. Well, that, that's... For, well for, for, for anybody who may not know his purposes, Matty is one of my best friends in the entire world, so I'm entitled to give him shit. <laughs> Horatio Max at Horatio underscore Max says he really disliked him at the time and in the 90s. He always liked Brett better uh, and he can appreciate him now as the great showman and innovator that he was, but he still liked Brett's matches better. Sage words from Horatio. Now, I've heard this opinion before from uh, Chris at 82not underscore Chris. He said that Sean was only a sexy boy for 18 months of his entire career. <laughs> I think 18 months is a bit stingy maybe maybe two three years I'm intrigued which I, I was going to say Chris has high standards but I know him and I know he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> which 18 months though what are we talking I've just asked him okay no, I was going to say Chris, Chris is normally grateful for what I can get your brother Cam at Cam Griff 92 Dan he Never said Never heard of him. Uh, and where is this Gator Golf set that he promised? Prick. He said the greatest entrance music ever, ever, which is wrong because that's Dr. Wagner Jr. And he said he remembers him mainly as uh, part of DX due to um, Cam's age when he first uh, got into wrestling. And he always enjoyed his matches, uh, sublime selling against Hogan as well. So Cam actually bottled out of sending uh, his original draft. Because he sent it to me, which read, greatest entrance music ever, quite often used to hear Dan serenading himself in front of the mirror with it. (laughs) Which is a blatant lie to anybody who actually knows me and knows my level of self-esteem. Yeah. But, nice try, kid. I encouraged him to post it as well for the laugh, but, you know, he's uh, he's more considerate than I am. Were you singing the DX theme? I I see you got in measures in ounces, but that's (laughs) That's the brakes, little man. <laughs> Mags at Podfather Mags size cohort on the chain wrestling. Bloody love the guy. Oh, he's an asshole. And, and, and it's, an, it's an honour for him to actually interact with a tweet. Yeah. yeah. He says he's not on Twitter, but he, he's run out of hiding for this and he's scurried back in. Uh, he doesn't interact with any of our shows. Well, he's on your shows, though, so. Yeah, but he does fuck all. <laughs> no, I'm, jo- I'm, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I can't wait for that to drop. Oh, shit. I'm in so much trouble. I'm messaging now. <laughs> he well, does everything. You he just wait for that for three months until this drops. He um, does everything. Yeah. He does everything. He says you have to look at Sean in three parts. His first run, post-Rockers, he was arguably the most natural, talented wrestler in the world with all the charisma to go with it. Imagine how better his matches would have been if he wasn't off his tits all the time. Fair. And in the Attitude Era, um, he was uh, very self-centred and childlike. His uh, comeback run, 
far and away outshines his first run. He cemented his place as one of the very best in-ring talents, but uh, way better attitude. That run alone makes him a Mount Rushmore worthy, which obviously from Badlands, Mags would know. I miss Badlands. I miss Badlands. I mean. Then you have to look at his post-ring career. He's giving back to the business in the way that you'd never thought 1990s Sean would. He's uh, moulding the next generation of WWE ta- uh, wrestlers. He's the epitome of redemption. As always with Mags, a clear, logical and nuanced uh, take on things. Barry yep. Darso is still shit, though, isn't he? Yeah. No, no, Barry, Barry Darso <laughs> he did his job. You know, he didn't steal the macho man's hat. The macho man failed to maintain his payment, so he repossessed it. It was um, a fancy hat. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Turd Ferguson says that Sean is a cocky dickhead. Uh, uh, yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> he could certainly back it up. One of the very best. Yeah, he's right. Pig Bladders at King's Pig Bladders says he's definitely one of the greatest performers of all time. That said, there's loads of questionable stuff over the years too. There's days I couldn't think of any better person that NXT talent could learn under. Okay, fair shake. I think it is as well that Sean, you know, if, if he is true to this redemption arc, can actually speak from experience and, and get people to learn firsthand from his mistakes. And there is something to be said for that. Yeah. Don't well, take handfuls of pills all the time and act like a cock, you mean? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But also, from from uh, to to go into something Brett Hart said as well, you take that advice from Sean and then you just you take Brett's advice, advice of just let wrestlers smoke weed. It means they won't pop pills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair shake. There is one better talent they can learn under, and they are doing. It's Norman Smiley. Um, Same point. Danny out Scottish Juggalo says no denying that he's totally the Shawn Michaels of the Rockers massive fan of his second run possibly the most successful comeback in wrestling history aside from Big Daddy he was belting out classic matches all the way to his retirement I do believe that that is down to the first part of that is down to Danny's proclivity of saying that certain people are the Marty Gennetti of a tag team Yes, uh, ah, okay. definitely the Marty Gennetti of uh, the Rockers. Are you deliberately leaving Matt Butler's till the last one? Oh, I'm just going through them in the order that I've received them as per... <laughs> <laughs> can, you please leave Matt, can you please leave Matt Butler to last? I think that's actually... Uh, I, I think my Twitter uh, requires me to uh, do some additional uh, <laughs> jiggery-pokery because I've not got it sent to, uh, <laughs> set to profanity yeah. mode. No one uh, said that. Mags cringed. Yeah. <laughs> Dixie at Dixie J24 said, Great respect for Shawn Michaels. He overcame drugs and came back to wrestling. He wasn't even one of the ones to let demons win. Nothing but respect. Oh, Fair that's enough. a good shite. Yeah. Yeah. So many sad um, stories in wrestling, isn't there? Yeah, there is definitely. There definitely is. The Kin AZ said, They're a lifelong fan. Started watching regularly at WrestleMania 4, right before the Rockers. My immediate faves uh, debuted. They cheered uh, HBK throughout his career, and he retired in 2010, right before uh, MLT Canadians had a deep run in the playoffs. And that was when NHL took over WWE as an interest. Fair enough, you can't fault a good Montreal Canadiens run. 
No. Marquez uh, Badham and Marquez uh, BT Tweentin. If you take the top 50 wrestling matches in history of the business, I'm willing to bet Shawn Michaels has between 8 and 10. Yes. That's saying something and a go emoji. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fair, shite. Yeah, Stu at Dwarg Van Dam. He said in terms of his quality of work was uh, over two parts of his career. I only think Ric Flair and Undertaker can touch him. Yeah. yeah I don't think they can. Might have to pay extra. Mm. If, you disc- <laughs> if you discount Flair's TNA room. I think Flair is close. Flair is up there. To me, it's always... You ask me today, I'll say Michaels. Ask me tomorrow, I'll say Flair. Do you not be, be an interesting deep dive, side? What's to look at Flair and Michaels at comparative ages and see what they were doing. Oh, uh, yeah, I'd love that. I think, to be fair, though, you know, when you're saying only Flair can touch him or whatever, you, you know, if you were to stack his career up against Lou Fez, then you'd probably find Shawn Michaels severely lacking. Because Lou Fez was putting on bangers in his 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I'm <laughs> I'm talking readily available stuff on, on you know that we can all watch. You know. You got like yeah. on YouTube. Well, send me the link so I have a look. If you'd have been paying attention, we covered it months ago. <laughs> but under, uh, Undertaker, <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think he's on the same level. No. Um, no. I think his last his last great match because obviously he went down to just wrestling at WrestleMania. I think his last great match was probably Lesnar. Undertaker's greatest matches, in my opinion, were against Michaels. Hell in a Cell. Yeah. The WrestleMania double bill. That says more about Michaels than Taker, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm not downplaying Undertaker. Fantastic performer. Great matches against Triple H, Lesnar, as you say. But his best matches are against Sean, aren't they? Well, no, his best match is against Kane at WrestleMania 14. You're so silly. (laughs) (laughs) It's made me worth noting that I have been drinking this evening. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about uh, silly responses, uh, well, you know, wrestling's a buffet. uh, You know, everyone has different opinions. Mike P at Iron Mike Park in his uh, opinion of Shawn Michaels is meh. Well... What, what's the uh, phrase say? He's entitled to his wrong opinion. Yes. Yes, there you go. Peter Muldry at Pedro D-U-F-C, uh, Dundee United fan, which gives me horrible flashbacks to uh, the time my mum found that I liked football and randomly brought me a Dundee United bag, despite the fact I was a Huddersfield Town fan. I'd say that's good. I um, <laughs> uh, said... That Shawn Michaels pure entertainment. Can't argue with yeah. that. I hate those seventies bags. You know those, those like like over the shoulder type bag things because I had that Dundee fucking United bag out to school. They only got them in Dundee last week. Yeah, no, they didn't. They fucking had them in the eighties because I went to school with one. So there is no voting our way out of uh, a coup twenty twenty four at RS Myers. 1776 says when talking about 90s wrestling entertainment Shawn Michaels alongside Bret Hart and the Undertaker were the backups upon which Stone Cold, The Rock, Kurt Angle The Outsiders, Degeneration X or their existence to 
Yeah. Yeah, you can't fault that because the three biggest names from the uh, the new generation era, that, you know, and then the, with two of them with the most longevity were Sean Brett and Taker. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Mark Slingsbury at MJS 2022-1272 said uh, Shawn Michaels is an excellent wrestler and a decent human being. I- I'm not sure the ladies in the hotel hall rooms would agree. Yeah, I think that, he is, the he latter is part now. Of that, the latter part of that may be not quite accurate. And yes. Matt Butler, Tres Butler, <laughs> said mm-hmm. he's to see you next Tuesday. Cunt. Yeah, he, he's had all the tools to succeed, um, provided that uh, you could be a sub £220 and be the face of a company. I think Mick McManus and Jackie Palo would disagree with that. But he's um, fucked over Marty Candido, Vader, Brett and others. That born against Christian shit doesn't fool Matt. He's popularised super kicks and retired flair. What a knob. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, are we going to go an extra hour where I point out everything wrong with that, or are we going to bed soon? No, you can record that on your own. You okay. can put that as an SGP World Media exclusive of you responding to Matt Butler, and then you can have a, a podcast feud back and forth. <laughs> I mean, just one straight off the top of my head. He fu- he didn't fuck over my Janae. My Janae fucked himself. In the same way that Brett Wait, screwed just Brett. jumped through that barbershop window. Well, there you go. Mike Gennetti, I think, has proven in his own behaviour for decades that he's got his own issues and Sean is not the problem there. So, but cocaine, that's the problem there. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I've had several interactions with Marty Jannetty online. The guy's a piece of shit, but that's, you know, is what it is. Superb. In terms of the people that helped spread the message, uh, Graham at Good Bad Wrestle, Eva at Eva Brewer 1, The Downturn at The Downturn The, uh, Josie Michaels K-N-A-B-E-5, Tony Silver at Silverkind. We're still waiting for your Matt Hardy comments, Tony. Come on, bring them in. We know they'll come. We know they'll come. It all, all helps promote it. And just to say, we, we've had the usual shout-outs from um, the Marking Out with High Five Tom guys and the uh, a Work in Progress guys with uh, Glenn and Brett over there doing some excellent work. Yeah. All brilliant. So does that mean we're getting to the awards? It does. Right then. Normally, I start out with match of the night. I do believe that that's going to be a consensus and a clean sweep. So, can I just check that we're all going to say Sean versus Triple H from SummerSlam 2002? No. Ooh. Does that mean no, I can't check, or no, you're not picking that? No, I'm going for Sir um, Sean Austin uh, as his last match because of the hoopla with Tyson and everything, and it'd be made to feel like a big moment. And the uh, sizzle mattering more than the sausage in wrestling. The least important part of the wrestling is the wrestling, so it's Sean versus Austin. Fair enough, you contrary bellend. Are you ill? Contrary, <laughs> when the mantra of this show is the least important part of the wrestling is the wrestling. Except tonight. <laughs> and whenever I arbitrarily decide it. Anyway, that's fine. So, Sam, did you, did you just ask if Rob was ill? Yeah. 
thing is, you always say on chain wrestling, and I always think this when I'm listening to it. You like it says wrestling on the marquee. Uh, there should be some wrestling. It's a wrestling promotion. There should be some promotion, and there was shitloads of promotion in um, Shawn Michaels Austin. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I, I also argue that there's two words to that: the wrestling business. And when it comes to business, that was that was top class. But those, those, were, the two, those were the two words Rob said. Rob said wrestling promotion. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, but, but, far less business in 2022. It was on the downslide. <laughs> no, yeah, but that's what I, I'm I, saying. I, that I, I don't think you can argue that business was up once Russo had gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. When it comes to wrestling, wrestling, you can't look beyond. Sean Triple H, surely that was fantastic. Yeah, but if you can't look beyond Triple H Austin, I can look beyond that in terms of actual bell to bell, quote unquote, pure wrestling. Rob's right because the Michaels Triple H match is the WWE amplified higher form version of the TWA match. Ah, okay, that's interesting. I mean, you're wrong. But it's interesting. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm completely fucking right. In terms of bell-to-bell action and the fuckery and the the weapons and the odd wrestling move chucked in, they're very similar. I there really was, got there was a story. There was a story uh-huh. in 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 Summerslam. You're right. I was just going to say I really enjoyed that TWA match. I mean, it, yeah. If we- Consider the size of the promotion and what they put on, the value add that the match gave to the promotion. I think TWA probably wins hands down. And the story behind it, the vibe for control and, and all the rest of it, because there was a story, Simon. I'm not saying there wasn't a story. <laughs> I'm just saying the story for SummerSlam 2002 was superior. Yeah, and that's why the SummerSlam 2002 match is the amplified higher form version of the TWA match. So purely by using your own terminology there, the higher version but, should be better. But it's yeah, but the, but the actual, but the actual, be, the actual better match in terms of pure bell to bell action is the WrestleMania 14 match. Okay, which is also what I said. Okay, I mean, I'm going to go Sean Triple H, obviously. Yes, yeah, so am I. <laughs> but um, I, I can see where you're coming from, yeah. So the MVP of the night, now this is an interesting one because logic dictates that because we're on Shawn Michaels special, that the most valuable player of the night should be Shawn Michaels. Mm. But I'll open it to the room. Sai, who is your MVP of all the matches that we've watched? Shawn Michaels is the obvious, but I would also give a shout out to Jim Ross. Mm-hmm. I think Jim Ross, it, again, we come back to SummerSlam 2002, it meant so much more because he he made it feel that important. Triple H as as well, but uh, we've covered what five Shawn Michaels matches. Yeah. Can you really look beyond Shawn? It'd be silly, maybe. But Jim Ross is is, is great in what he did. We watched the Saudi Arabia match. The commentary sucked. Jim Ross wasn't there, so maybe that's a shout out for that. Potentially, uh, Rob. Uh, well, I'm not going that matter with it. I'm going with Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I mean, I short, seen, short I is am. my shite. But don't get me wrong, but yeah, carry on. <laughs> Jim Ross was a commentator in mid south. 
Helmets. Sean was my obvious. Sean was my obvious choice. But I've actually decided to go for the TWA commentator. Because that guy that guy had to call that match on his own. He kept everybody abreast of the story. He was drip feeding little bits in in throughout whilst calling the action. He balanced it incredibly well. That level of talent is so far beyond what you'd expect from uh, a sort of local promotion or regional promotion. Yeah. And I think he was instrumental in elevating that match in, in, in my own opinion of the match. Yeah. He brought that to a higher level. You know, the, the in and out of the ring action was great. The crowd were great. But the, that commentator was just as vital as any of those elements. And that's why he gets it for me. It's a good shout, my man. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. So it's a clean sweep for the TWA commentator, brilliant, I am correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, but we all we all know Shawn Michaels, really. Next up's interesting, the moment of the night. So across all the five matches, Si, what is your standout moment? Oh, my goodness. Um, dear me. I'll just go a wee while you're thinking about it. <laughs> I, I, from a personal standpoint, from a personal standpoint, Michael's coming out to the ring at SummerSlam 2002. But mm. in reality, the whole Austin Tyson stuff at 14, yeah, Tyson laying him out. That's probably that's probably the moment, isn't it? I think, in my opinion, anyway. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, it's iconic. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob, what's your moment? I mean, it's the moment that inspired me to watch six months of television. It's Jim Duggan on the apron challenge. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because oh, Duggan thing that I was honestly most invested in, and 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 that that's shocking and a shocking indictment on it. But uh, I, I fucking want to see that helmet match would never happened. <laughs> So, but um, if I have to pick a Shawn Michaels moment, it's Triple H attacking Shawn with the sledgehammer after the match because then it's sort of building into future intrigue. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, I, I was just about to mock you for going into the ridiculous when I realised that mine is equally ridiculous. It's not ridiculous, though. You know, it, it, The original pick is with the Dugan helmet match. Well, it's not because... <laughs> Because wrestling's about, you know, evoking an emotion and trying to, you know, get you to invest in the products and, and go on and watch further. And ironically, the helmet match, the thing that got me really invested. So speaking of investment, my moment is something that briefly got me invested in something that I thought was awful. And it actually comes from the Crown Jewel match. And it's the Shawn Michaels fuck it moonsault. Okay. Because it's the only point in that match I was actually genuinely entertained. Ah. What was it? A uh, Terry Fuck moment of the night? It was. Next up is sign of the night. Did any of you guys catch a sign? Spoiler alert. I found one and I knew it wouldn't be beat, so I didn't actually make a note of any other ones. Well, at WrestleMania 14, I, I saw a sign that just said Park, which I assume Chris and uh, Danny from the One Man's Meat podcast have jumped in a time machine and gone back and shown <laughs> But from um, SummerSlam 2002, I saw Steph know your role, given that she was booking the show at this point. 
bit of the inside joke there. So I, I'm going for Steph. Know your role. Fair enough, sir. Did you notice any? I saw the pork sign, but uh, I didn't pick out any worth mentioning, really. The one that stands out to me, though, in general, is the famous Sean is gay sign that turned up oh, all God. the time in the mid-90s. Yeah. Not a good look. No, not at all. No. Funny enough, uh, Rob said about time travellers, uh, I found Marty in the crowd of WrestleMania 14. He's progressed in his nicknaming of me because he was holding a sign that said Big Daddy Griff. Amazing. So, yeah, so that gets my sign of the night because it had part of my surname on it. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> that's, that's all I've got to pure ego. So in my new tradition of not telling people about this award, we used to just have the Rene Goulet Award, Si. Yes. We've split it now into the Tory Wilson Award for the best haircut on the show and the Rene Goulet Award for the most outstanding haircut on the show. Now, that can be good, bad, ridiculous, or indifferent. So first up, the Tory Wilson. That's the best one. The best hair on the best hair out of all the matches and segments that we've watched. As a man with long hair, I think Shawn Michaels' wonderful braided effort at WrestleMania 14 deserves a mention. I agree. And Shawn in '98 got my Tory Wilson. Rob, is it a clean sweep? No, I will come on to Sean '98 in a later award on this show because the Tory Wilson Award goes to Hercules Hernandez, oh. who had uh, mm. I was expected uh, at the time, given that you know we used to see him in WWF, and it is only three weeks before he has to hide it away under his sheet gear. So, judging from both our reactions, Sai, are we going to follow Rob and make it a clean sweep? I don't know. I don't know. What are we looking at? Bad or good? Good. No, the, the good it's, one. It's, I, the Tor- it's the Tory Wilson Award. Yeah, the good one I said. WrestleMania 14, Shawn Michaels, Platter. All right, so you're sticking with Shawn. Okie doke. Yes. So finally, the most important award of the night, the Rene Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night. Sai, who's your Rene Goulet? When it comes to a haircut, as in the actual process of doing it is there many more dramatic than sean at crown jewel but i think i have to give it to kane's wig (laughs) (laughs) oh god so tempted to make it a clean sweep but i slagged the match off enough i can't slag off the gear as well rob who gets your in a good lid so it's Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 14 with those ridiculous braids in his hair. I know you've given it to Tori Wilson. I firmly disagree. And the thing that tips it over the edge and makes it an absolute Rene Goulet is that Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 14 is cosplaying as Triple H at WrestleMania 13 in his match against Goldust with those ridiculous braids. I will take your word for it. I cannot remember anything about WrestleMania 13. Uh, the, the haircuts are fucking identical and fucking awful. Uh, go back and check that out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a t-shirt there. You want for for like I, I could see it in an eighties movie where there's a couple of twins who think they're badasses, and it just the shirts just say fucking awful and fucking identical. 
Uh, I'm going to tell Sharon to plait my hair in exactly the same way when I see you on Friday, Dan. I can't wait. Get, get Dan to dress up as gold dust so you can plait your hair Triple H WrestleMania 13 style. <laughs> Dan, Dan can dress up as gold dust but Sharon can dress up as Marlene. I, I, am, I am fat dust. I would, I would pay good money to see my wife dressed up like Marlene. Purely because I have paid good money to see your wife dressed in Berlin. Oh <laughs> my goodness! I was it's about just to say, oversized laptop. <laughs> yeah, that that was the bulk of the money was buying the laptop. See, I love the way you two go sexual, and in my head, I'm thinking oh, three cigars. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and it's my wife. It's she. Yeah, okay. I hope she doesn't listen to this. I highly doubt Sharon will listen to this. She won't get this far in. No. <laughs> Slightly all sex tape. But anyway. Um... <laughs> Story of your life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I give my Rene Goulet award to, uh, to Bald Sean in 2018. It's not a good look, and it makes me really, really sad. He thinks he's cute. He used to be sexy. Stop it. I'll get upset. That's not like the 18 months, is it? No. No, it's not. But that is our look at the first and last career matches of Shawn Michaels. It, it went a little bit long, but we kind of expected it. It's also kind of what we wanted. Thank you, Sai, for, uh, for joining us in this endeavour. It's been an absolute blast, mate. Uh, all that's left to do now, since we've already rated the matches out of 10, uh, well, me and you have Rob. Rob didn't bother. Just let people know where they can find you. Well, you say we've gone long. How much longer can we go? Because there's so much stuff i got to plug. But I'm not going to, because it'll take ages. <laughs> Anything I am involved in, uh, you need to track down on the SJP World Media Podcast Network. And that is at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter. And all the podcast players, platforms and providers that you may well use. We have live shows Monday, Wednesday, Sunday, and all sorts, looking at pro wrestling, gaming, and all sorts of other stuff. The network covers TV shows, looking at Doctor Who, as you well know, Dan. You are what? joining me for the Doctor Who podcast on SJP World Media. We have... Oh, yes. a... Yeah, don't forget. Fuck me. We have... <laughs> we have a show looking at Quantum Leap called The Waiting Room with our good friend Benny Mack. Morty and I will one day hopefully get back to Murder in Mind podcast because I bloody love doing that show with him, but real life does get in the way. We have all sorts of Simpsons show coming. We have, oh, I can't spill the beans yet because I've not been allowed to by the hosts who one of these are, you know, one of the, those hosts are involved in this, but we have some live sporting action coming soon in the next couple of months. I don't want to, you know, give a name yet because it hasn't been chosen jesus christ lads put your finger out it's all right but yeah at sjp world media is where you can find anything i am involved in and uh yeah there we go that's that's me done i think i like that that was the short version of the introduction of the outro sorry i just kind of start talking and it just rambles out from there really you also know that project doesn't involve me because there ain't any sports happening down at the johnson stadium <laughs> well there we go. 
and I'm going to do my usual and jump in to give my own plugs before Rob does the professional bit. If you want to hear more of me talking about stuff, I'm over on the aforementioned SJP World Media Network talking with Sai about Doctor Who. Uh, on the Doctor Who pod, where we look at one episode or serial per Doctor per series, seeing what lands for me with the classic Who stuff as a modern Who fan and the reverse for Sai as a classic Who fan with the modern. If you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date on movies that are 25 years out of date, and I have no idea why I did that back to front this week, but we'll just blame the alcohol. It works. Uh, Rob? Take us home with some actual professionalism, please. Well, I will just say you didn't get my match ratings because I honestly think that rating wrestling matches in isolation is like rating episodes of Coronation Street based on the skill that people pulled pints on the Rovers' return. Which you have judged. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it depends. If, it, if it's Becky McDonald, then, then potentially I have. Um, so you can find me at UTC Rob it's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers and I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back you can follow the show at UTC Podcast um, season one we looked at the highest and lowest TV rated episodes of the Monday Night Wars for each creative period and um, obviously uh, as you're finding out today season two we're looking at the first and last of wrestling and, and well, you know we've had plenty of first and last today on the same network you can listen to this, you can hear the One Man's Meat podcast with Danny at Scottish Juggalo and the real Chris Bellis, and they're going through the forgotten storylines of wrestling. Wrestlers that might not get that much love, that kind of thing. They also have a pint-sized project called Cuts, where they are looking at Wrestle Society X and Wrestle Society Extra. So short 20-minute, half-an-hour shows reviewing, short 20-minute, half-an-hour shows that went out on MTV, so easy to follow along the show if you want to watch along or if you want to listen. Uh, we have a couple of side projects. Uh, we have our own pint side project on Putting the Territory, where we're following the only time that a wrestling championship ever changed hands by a legitimate sporting competition, the BT Gator Golf Series. You can follow that at UTT Putting. And coming, possibly even ended by now, but uh, it, it's certainly been a tour de force as we've gone through it, as we have followed the life and times of legitimately the hardest man that ever lived, one David Tank Abbott. And if you go to UTT Tank, you can get some hashtag Tank Facts. I love these. Yeah. Tank Abbott can kill two stones with one bird. Huh. Yeah. They don't even have to be next to each other. You can do one in front and one behind him. Different times, I've heard. Yeah, now he's a big enough bird. You may have noticed that a lot of people have been uh, utilizing AI and creating bots that go around Twitter and fact check things. And we have been fact checked at UTT Tank by Clarity underscore bot, which uh, at please debunk that goes around and debunks false facts. And the Clarity bot has said that um, we have good research. It seems likely that Tank Abbott has earned his wealth through his fighting career and other appearances in media rather than inheritance. Hashtag Tank Facts. Very true. Okay. So, so we've been fact-checked and ticked off green. All these <laughs> are correct. So that, that, that's fucking brilliant. Um, and what goes up must come down unless it's thrown up by Tank Abbott. 
In which case, it hits orbit and will, so at some point, revolt, just go in a circular motion and hit the other side of the planet. Oh, that's broke me. <laughs> We've been fact-checked. Oh, dear. It also means he's genuinely got a driveway made out of gold bullion. Yeah, yeah, we've been fact checked, Dan. <laughs> I mean, Everything we've said is true. Yeah, yeah, we've actually literally got a tick next to us now <laughs> that we didn't have to pay for. Oh, very quickly, gents, cheap plug. Uh, I know I mentioned it earlier Another on. One. Yeah, yeah, I've got loads. Show me, I could be here for another hour if you want, but no. <laughs> via the SJP World Media Network. There is a Shawn Michaels podcast coming. The first few episodes are recorded and in the bank. It's just me talking about how much I love Shawn Michaels, running through his uh, WrestleMania matches, first of all. And if people enjoy that, then we're going to jump to different pay-per-views and so on. So, yeah, there we go. See, I've got, I've got deja vu, but I'm not sure that it was recorded the first time you said it. Well, if it wasn't, then I'm glad I brought it up again. Yeah. Hey, you can't go wrong, mate. You can't go wrong. The show hasn't even got a name yet. And depending when this drops, we may have another project coming ourselves. Yeah. We did well, we definitely got another project coming, but like you say, whenever this drops. I was trying to make a uh, an amusing acronym with Shawn Michaels Appreciation Society, but I, I can't think of anything. It's too late and I'm too drunk, to be quite frank. So thank you, everybody, for, for listening to this. I thank you for joining us. Rob, thank you for partnering me, as always. Uh, next week, I, or next time you hear UTT, I do believe we've got Morty and Fitch back and we're looking at something more wrestling adjacent. Oh, dear. Well, they, they haven't confirmed <laughs> that they're coming on yet. Well, they've confirmed they're coming on yet. They haven't confirmed the date. But, uh, yeah, but yeah. we said we were doing this like for about a month. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, in all fairness, we have been wanting to do this for a while. We want to get back to New York and live in the real world. We had this arranged several weeks ago, and apparently me telling people that the original date, uh, I had the ambulance site and had all the issues that um, occurred on that particular day or day before, me telling people that I nearly died, the wife says, stop being such a twat. So... Apparently, I didn't really die. I was just a bit scared. So <laughs> it's fine, sir, because it gave me time to watch six months of mid south. <laughs> I've had a blast, speaking, gents. Thank you so much. Someone, for speaking of someone who has nearly died recently, sir, you have my utmost sympathy. Thank you. You can start it off when you see her. No, I'm not that brave. No, no one's that fucking brave, mate. <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, time recorded. I'm looking forward to. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing you guys. Like Rob said, thank you, Sai, again for joining us. It's been a blast. Join us next week potentially for some wrestling adjacent reality TV. I was trying to think of a segue to say thank you for listening, but I've got fuck all this week. <laughs> thank you for listening. Gentlemen, stand up and applaud. Stand up and give these men 
the ovation they deserve. And everybody here at Crown Jewel is on their feet, Michael Cole. The four greatest of all time in one ring tonight with an epic performance that no one will ever, ever forget.